Alright, so in this episode I'm going to be talking about an interesting topic, basically about how people can essentially vote away their own rights. It's technically possible to do so. You can vote to deny oneself of key rights if people are foolhardy enough or maybe don't even understand what they're voting for. This might be considered a flawed or sham version of democracy, but it ultimately depends on what people consider legitimate and how they define the basic concept of democracy and freedom and all that stuff. This is also why some people, myself included, demand that democracy is accompanied by certain rights that are considered inalienable, or some people pronounce it unalienable, although I think that's incorrect, but with the way language is, you know, words that used to be incorrect eventually might be the correct words or find themselves interchangeable with them. But anyway, uh, if we are purely talking about voting as a majoritarian expression of democracy, of, of course people can vote for oppressive, terrible things or to restrict certain behaviors that might be considered rightly or wrongly rights. So I'm mentioning this partly because at a, well, at a number of rallies, really, an orange clown said that he wants to get back into power and start making every executive branch employee fireable by the president. And gee, why would he want to do that? Well, you guessed it. He does not want critics to be around him. He wants to surround himself with sycophantic supporters who will take him at his every word and his every whim. And, you know, if you're not going to bow down to him, then out you go. You know, that's already a proven phenomenon in some authoritarian situations, including one that we have seen here in the United States. Some people would gladly vote for this clown. I even know some of them. Some people will look at the clown's words and say, but that's how, you know, uh, or that's not how democracy functions in a practical democracy where the president can't simply fire away any and all critics. And, you know, they're right. That's something that shouldn't really happen in a democracy, but technically it could happen. There's a guy named Nate Hawkman, however, at the National Review who disagrees. He actually wrote a piece called Why Not Allow the President to Fire Federal Employees. It's a bit like asking why not jump into an oncoming car or why not pour gasoline all over your body and let a match to yourself. You know, not not that I'm saying that right here for you to do that, of course. Don't do it. But, you know, I'm just saying, you know, it's it's equivalent to this guy writing an article with a title like that. The guy is just asking questions. <laughs> you know, he's uh, really uh, bold in his uh, ability to reach out and tackle the tough issues, you know, like what, why can't a president just fire anybody that he wants? You know, uh, why have checks and balances at all? Anyway, he laughably goes on to suggest that it would just be the will of the people. It's absolutely like saying that technically Kim Jong-il is just representing the will of the people or Kim Jong-un. Or, you know, how, how about Stalin? 
They both represented a substantial number of people, technically, so why shouldn't they have been able to fire anyone they wanted or get rid of all critics, you know? Um, it's sort of a version of democracy in a vague uh, totalitarian sense, you know, in the sense that anything that has some support has some semblance of majoritarian democracy attached, even though, um, you know, by technical definition, it's basically the opposite. So keep in mind that Donald Trump once wanted to, he wanted to use the government to go after Saturday Night Live for making fun of him. So would he use the power to hire and fire wisely? F no. <laughs> F no. You know, I'm, I'm trying to avoid using F-bombs because that's the way the internet is right now. Like, people get really touchy about that over on YouTube and whatnot. But, you know, we, we all know... We, we all know what uh, would really happen if that situation uh, came about and uh, he could fire any and all critics. Well, we would just have a totalitarian situation. But maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's look more at some meat and potatoes aspects of representative government and assess the actual complexities of our system, both good and bad, and examine why checks and balances to the president actually matter and why he or she shouldn't just be able to fire any and all critics. And, uh, yeah, in a standardly defined representative democracy, an elected government, which will be almost always comprised of at least one political party, holds power from election to election. In America's system, this party rule is often considered a two-party state or a duopoly rather than, you know, a, a system that's broader than two parties. In fact, they work pretty hard to keep third parties out of the picture. And critics, rightly or wrongly, often say that two parties are too similar. And in practical terms, some countries have a one-party state, even if they technically legally allow other parties to exist but they may lack meaningful influence. And of course that can get people all riled up. And then there's a demand for, you know, different parties or of course different laws that uh, will often emerge from those types of scenarios. Basically the authoritarians end up getting too greedy. For the most part, the government enacts certain regulations and policy decisions in some form or another. Also, it seems any democracy worth talking about will have a constitution and recognition or recognition of some basic rights. So, you know, let's take a look at some of those that we deal with over here and why issues are so difficult for people to finally solve. You know, the pesky issues that tend to plague American democracy. And why it's stupid to think that a president alone can or should single-handedly decide every important issue, no matter how smart they claim to be, and no matter how much they surround themselves with empty-headed, weak-willed loyalists and sycophants. To date, in the U.S., there have been 27 significant amendments 
to the Constitution. So let's look at an issue related to one of those legal questions. One of the most common cited ones is the Second Amendment, which states, quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So it's, it's a little bit outdated in the language used there. Even the sentence structure is, is a little bit confusing. I think they could have actually done a better job of, you know, laying out the terms of that and just making it more grammatically flowing better, I suppose. So uh, you also have to ask who interprets that. Is it just the president? No, it is the government in general that debates what that means. And the U.S. population has its own input, albeit in some admittedly limited ways, right? But there's still some ways. I guess that's one of the key points to make here. So why is that so complicated? Is it just because the all-knowing, all-wise, loyalty-demanding president hasn't had enough power to single-handedly interpret it yet? No, it's because it's a complex issue. People regularly debate what the concept of a well-regulated militia exactly entails, and I personally do not think that guns or any other weapons inherently equal security, freedom, or any of the other simplistic buzzwords. And, you know, there are other people who would agree with me on that as well. So there's room for interpretation, room for disagreement, room for debate on what exactly the words mean. Then you have people who throw around the idea of original intent and all that kind of stuff. So it is a bit funny that some of the people saying guns are only a tool, nonetheless treat them as sacred objects that only equal freedom and safety. You know, it seems like they're very quick to throw out the nuanced reality that, you know, they are tools that are dangerous, you know, if they fall into, I guess you might say, the wrong hands, to use a common expression. You know, it's just like if you have a car, like if you if you uh, have one of those, you're expected to have a license, you know, um, there are rules that you're supposed to follow. Um, seems like everybody agrees that there should be traffic rules of some kind. Well, that's very similar to the just general idea of conduct within society overall. You know, I mean, why should why should dangerous weapons be any different? Whether it's guns, knives, uh, ex- explosives, hazardous material, um, basically anything that could potentially cause harm that is, uh, you know, easily accessible. And of course, some people broaden that to include not just conventional weapons, but, you know, like they, they'll say, well, uh, things like pornography or rock music or rap music can corrode the societal fabric and cause harm. And, you know, well, let's debate those issues too. And, you know, how, how much censorship should we have in society, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, that, that's a little bit um, casting too wide of a net. That's, to my mind, and I think to the minds of anybody, any people who are sane, 
those are actually like separate issues because, you know, a gun is different from a guitar, you know, or a microphone. So in reality, most people actually do believe in some form of arms control or gun control as not everyone with a weapon is a good freedom loving person or, and all that kind of stuff. And therefore guns do not inherently equal security and freedom. So actually, like if you really press people, it seems like the vast majority of them believe in some type of rules as far as that goes. And, uh, I don't think that's a radical thing to say. I think reality just bears that out. So it it obviously is more of a complex issue than just uh, a few words here and there could truly define or explain away. And on top of that, for all these people insisting they need guns for self-defense against tyranny, you know, from the government or whatever, there are a few problems with that idea too, for starters. There is no guarantee that an armed populace will be against government tyranny. And in fact, they might actually help enforce it themselves with great assistance by those very weapons. Second, in the modern era, an Elmer Fuddish hunting rifle or even some more advanced weapon weaponry probably won't compete with SWAT teams, army tanks, drone strikes, jet fighters, RPGs, and all of the other tools at Uncle Sam's disposal. So really, what are we even talking about here, you know? Many of these people think they're in, in an action movie and that they are the star. But even if you have brief success as a John Rambo, well, guess what? If they want to, the government's going to send in a bunch of competing Rambos to take out your Rambo wannabe ass. If they want your Elmer, Elmer Fuddish pea shooter, they're going to get it. Anyway, the greatest idea behind the U.S. Constitution is that it's supposed to have power vested in the people rather than the king's power or divine right, although such old-fashioned ideas as the divine right of kings are increasingly championed by the very same people who say they are against oppressive government. As we recently saw, an orange-skinned wannabe dictator attempt to overthrow the U.S. Constitution, and more recently, you know, he's uh, spoke at rallies where he advocated the idea of being re-elected with the power to fire any federal employee that he wants, presumably for being too disloyal, thus getting rid of checks and balances and making him a de facto dictator. But Americans who took civics know that in U.S. politics, we have three branches of government, Legislative, which makes laws, you know, Congress comprised of the House of Representatives and the Senate. You got the executive that carries out laws. That's the president, vice president, cabinet, most federal agencies, and the judicial, which evaluates laws. So that includes the Supreme Court and other courts. And if you want to see about that, just go to the, uh, you know, the, the U.S. government website, you know, Google it, I guess. You'll get that type of information. However, the third branch of government, the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, has few powers independent of the other two branches, despite there being something called separation of powers. The separation part does not mean they are truly 100% independent, 
but they have the ability to check and balance the other powers. And, you know, there are people who are now saying that the U.S. Supreme Court is a bad institution overall. And I'm, I'm inclined to agree with them um, to an extent. You know, I'm very much open to debating the merits of the U.S. Supreme Court and, of course, the merits of really any uh, institution in the government. You know, that's, that's what we have brains for. We are supposed to consider the merits, the strengths and weaknesses of society and its institutions, you know, you don't even need to have an ideology set forth before you to do that. That's just something we should really be doing, um, hopefully without trying to be all that ideological on it. So um, the U.S. Constitution does not give the U.S. Supreme Court vast power to declare rights that haven't already been established in other parts of government and is not empowered to amend the Constitution but of course, it, it's a it's a very messy thing. So there there are instances where it seems like the Supreme Court has too much power, and it's you know uh, undoing precedents that seem to have long been held. You know, I'm I'm sure some of you already know what some of those precedents are. I probably don't need to go into great detail on that. You know, the Supreme Court rulings are typically granted a sense of finality unless they are undone through a constitutional amendment. However, if enough people suddenly lack faith in all of these checks and balances, which is what a certain orange clown seems to want so much, it could really become a free-for-all scenario. And the so-called law and order concept that Republicans claim to love so much could go out the window and democracy and the supposedly beloved U.S. Constitution would both join the dodo bird, you know? Basically, if we also break things down into sheer majoritarian terms, which is how so much of our democracy is narrowly defined, if the majority does not have rights, then practically no one has rights. And that's really one of the bottom line things here. Also keep in mind that Thomas Jefferson, a man that conservatives will claim to care about, said on December 20th, 1787, a bill of rights is what the people are entitled to against every government on earth, general or particular, and what no just government should refuse. And if we start by accepting that a state could have been better off under this ruler and Therefore, we should subvert the election and just rig it so he's back in. Then you can pretty much also tear up the Bill of Rights and toss it around like so much phony decorative confetti. You really don't need a constitution or any checks and balances or any semblance of representative or direct democracy under that scenario. You know, it's just let's make up the rules according to the whims of this uh, supposedly great leader. Just give the uh, orange-tinted golf bag windbag his White House key and rides to self-congratulatory rallies in Air Force One, or Air Force One, you might call it. It's like a sports team that can never lose 
a flag worshiping rally that never ends and a president who can never admit that he's wrong. But I think we can and should do better. And hopefully we will. You know, it's a, it's unfortunately a bit of a toss up for 2024. Um, and that's partly because the Democrats have dropped the ball for quite a few years, um, basically my entire life um, on, in some key ways. But, you know, we'll see how it pans out. And, you know, we'll see how many more indictments come along <laughs> and uh, all these court cases and whatnot. And we'll see what the uh, youth voter turnout will be in 2024. It was a factor in 2022, but, you know, a, a lot remains to be seen yet. But anyway, that's all I have to say for the moment. And uh, yeah, have a nice day.